Welcome to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel and Elder John Trombley. We are now again on Matthew chapter 6, uh, exploring further how to discern treasure, what is of true value. Well, we're on part two. Uh, it, it happened. The themes are getting so big. Yes, that's for sure. This is a big one. That uh, it is for so sure. So I think we're going to be starting a trend here, John, that we're going to be going part one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> that's fine. Slowing down because the Word of God is so rich. Amen. We don't want to just plow through it. Um, so we, we've been talking about what is of true value last time we were in. And um, John, uh, why don't you refresh our memories on the verses that we were examining um, from Matthew 6 verses 19 through 24. Why don't you read those for us so that our minds are again uh, reset to what we were focusing on. Sure. So again, starting at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, starting at verse 19, it says, Do not lay up yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. So in uh, Mammon is just the name of the god for wealth mm, back mm-hmm. in those days. Um, so we're going to be now segueing. Last time we looked at our futility in holding on to material things and how those things consume us. As you said, how we can get buried right. under our stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus' point is not for us to linger and try to explore all the false treasures. What he's trying to get <laughs> us to do is guide us into discovering what is of true value, right. what, what is of true worth. And so we're going to be looking at the eye and what we see. Um, I shared with you that uh, this morning um, I was sharing with the kids uh, at Oakwood Academy on worship, um, and I asked that asked them that question: How much are you worth? Mm-hmm. You know, how much are you worth? And the answers were hilarious. I, I wish I regret not recording some of these um, because the lower grades began to you know shoot high, so they were going. Two hundred dollars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ooh. Yeah. Then the upper grades were looking, going, oh, you know, rolling their eyes. They don't know anything, so they would raise their hands and go two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, they're so foolish because we could offer them a stick of gum, and they would probably. <laughs> this, yeah, we, we say that. We say that, but our uh, what we truly believe is our price tag, right? A Kit Kat. You know, w- what will we sell ourselves mm-hmm. out for? And of course, then the kids caught on and. The kids that were a bit more handy with numbers and math quickly raised their hands. And I told you, Shiloh's the first one that busted into the billions. You know, she's going to be a banker. Right. <laughs> a surgeon or a banker. Good for her. Um, but she's the first one that busted a billion dollars. And all the kids were like, ooh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was in the 100s. And, you know, there, there was more to that. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time I'm, I'm realizing... Um, Good, good, that's good. You know, you're, you're worth that much. I was encouraging them to try to see how high they would go. And then I showed them my phone. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, how much is that worth? 
and they actually were pretty accurate <laughs> wow. with it. They know what the price they, is. They were like, that's a, that's a, what, which phone is that, Pastor? Right. A plus, iPhone 8 plus. That's $500 on eBay. Right. <laughs> they know. Wow. Uh, so I, I told them, um, if I go to an Apple store, who tells me how much the, the, the phones are worth? Mm-hmm. And they kind of stared at me. And I repeated the question. If I go to an Apple store, can I go to Apple and tell them, hey, I got a dollar and 17 cents. I want I want that phone and I think that's much. No, 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 Apple tells you the price. So I asked them, do you know how much you're worth? And I asked some specific kids and they began to realize, I don't. I mean, I could continue thinking of higher numbers, but how do I know that I'm $5 trillion right. worth, you know? So I told them, the, the way you know want to know what a phone is worth as its manufacturer, because mm-hmm. they set the price. And then we went to First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And I told them, this is, this is your price tag. And I think this is what providentially the Lord is connecting with treasure, what I see value and worth in. Um, in First Peter chapter 1, Peter says that, Knowing, verse 18, 1 Peter 1, 18 says, Knowing that you were not purchased with perishable things, like Jesus just told us, uh, rust and thieves break in and steal. You were not purchased with silver or gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Amen. That's my price tag. Right. So, um we can go back to that parable of Jesus in Matthew, and Jesus would say, if your eye, if your eye is good, then, but if your eye is bad, then it's full of darkness and it's full of light. Um, what, what is your worth, John? Well, you know, as you're talking about this, is you know, we're having fun with the kids, but it is a good lesson to start thinking about that because honestly, as we think about the kids answering that and, and the value that they would put on themselves, then you, you know, you can ask this of adults. Yeah. And of course, most adults would say, oh, I'm priceless or whatever they might say. <laughs> but then again, going back Thanks to- Thanks to MasterCard, right? Right, right. But, but then you start thinking about people in bad relationships, for example. You know, this is something that's always kind of driven me crazy about, uh, a you know the battered women for example mm. because in i can't rationalize in my head how somebody can put up with it mm. like if that's going on then get out yeah how little value do you have of yourself is mm-hmm. is the question yeah. i the question that i ask ask when i when i hear such things if this is going on why are you putting up with it? What's your value? Now, you can take that, and we all have this sellout yeah. point, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of my one of my downfalls, one of my uh, uh, things is I, I wrestling. I was a, I love pro wrestling, and there was an 80s wrestler, and he would always ask the question, you know, uh, or he wouldn't ask a question. He would say, everybody has a price. Mm. And so... It, it was kind of funny because he—that's what that, he was the million-dollar man. So he always had money to, you know, to make people sell themselves out. And that's what Satan does to us. He says they all have a price, and he's willing to see how far we'll go. Mm. And what you're bringing out, though, is that Christ says your your price is unlimited. 
infinite. Infinite, yeah.、Um, <clears throat> you know, when I used to live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, this is eight eons ago, right? Before uh, 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 those codes, uh, QR codes, whatever they're called,、uh, barcodes.、Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you scan them.、Right. People actually like to enter codes for their product, and you know, they had little sticky things on them. I remember this person、uh, would boast on how she would walk into stores and take、uh, a product that was, that was like $2.50. And peel off that price tag and、mm. peel off the price tag on something that was $35 and stick it on that and walk up to the cash register. And it was when the birth of chains like Kmart. And back in Pennsylvania, they had hills. This is where it took place. And of course, we had a hills. Yeah,、okay. we had one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never had met you, the first person that I meet that actually knows of that store. <laughs>、uh, went out of business a long time ago.、Um, but it was like a Kmart、mm-hmm. type. And Hills would honor the price tag at the cash register. You know,、wow. that, that, that was our mistake. You know, we, we, the person tagging made a mistake and accidentally stuck it there.、Mm-hmm. So she would boast on how she would walk out of the store with something that was worth $35 for $2.50. And that's Satan. Right. Satan through society and culture.、Mm-hmm. And I, I, I challenge the kids with what is the application of this, right? How, how much are you worth? The world wants to tell you how much you're worth. Your husband, who's battering you, wants to tell you that you're worthless.、Mm-hmm. Um, will you believe that lie? Ultimately, that's, that's the, the journey of our lives is do you, do you know how much you're worth? And if you were able to give an answer to that, how did you come to that conclusion? And how do you know it's an accurate description of your value? Right.、Mm-hmm. We struggle, John, in not necessarily knowing, because you said it, right? And I think we, if we go up to many Christian adults and we say, How much you're worth? Oh, Jesus paid an infinite price. You know that, but does your life reveal that you actually believe it? Right. And I think we, maybe we could talk about, you know, how do you show that you actually believe you're worth the infinite life, the infinite worth that Jesus places on you? How would, what would, that, how would that affect me if I knew? How much I was worth. Right. Really.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, I guess, you know, when I, conversion for me, when, when, when I first came into the church, it, it did increase my value. It、mm-hmm. absolutely did. Because you're right, you know, the world does put these hypothetical price tags on you. You know, you, what do we do when we meet somebody? We ask for their name and then we ask them pretty much in the、what、next sentence, what do you do for a living, right? And why, why do we do that? We're sizing them up. Where do you stand in, in society, society? Right? What is your strata? Yeah, exactly. And so,、um, so we, we take that price tag that somebody puts on us and we, we take it, we accept it. And so、um, it does become your, your job is what your value is. I remember growing up and, and I hated that. I hated the,、mm. the, the small talk of, Who are you? What's the weather? And what's your occupation? I never wanted to be,、um, I never wanted an occupation that would be embarrassing, <laughs> number one. But number two, I didn't want it to define me either.、Um, but yet, but that's what happens. That's, that's where we put our, our, our worth when we don't have, once again, when we don't have Christ. And maybe even when we do, we can tend to fall into that trap. But <clears throat> so when I converted, you know, all those. Things melted away.、Mm. There's a freeing element. You know, if you haven't experienced、yeah. it, there is a freeing element once、mm. you convert. And 
all of a sudden, you really don't care, and I mean this in a in a nice way, but you don't care what other people... You're not pressured by it. Yeah, you don't care about the label that people put on you at all. And so you know that there's something higher that you belong to. Now, I, we need to be careful, and you know, not to make it seem like this is across the board, but yesterday we, I, I was telling you that we had to take Anaya, you know, as an emergency to the dentist. Mm-hmm. We got there right before the office closed. They were very nice about taking us at the last minute. But when we left, the building is an entire building of medical professions. Um, And there was just another gentleman leaving. And he got on this nice-looking SUV. Mm -hmm. And I thought, he has to be one of the doctors or physicians, maybe a surgeon, who knows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He got on his SUV, and I didn't see the make of it until he drove around behind our, our minivan. And it was an Audi. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I know how much my minivan cost, and I know how much that SUV cost. It cost, I could buy two, two of these minivans for the price of that SUV. Um, I wonder why he bought that. I mean, he could have had a, a nice looking car, decent, low, you know, nice quality, mm-hmm. nice looking, but half the price. What causes us to buy a, and I'm not saying that he should have gotten, you know, an old beater, a junker. But why do we have cars like that? And then you have that vehicle that costs that much. Mm-hmm. But I can guarantee you that, you know, there's a neighbor of mine that has a SUV Porsche. Right. I think why is there Porsche. an SUV and why is there a luxury SUV? That's yeah. what you're saying, right? Price tags. Mm-hmm. Price tags. We, 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 we are the ones that Satan tempts us and says, you want to put this price tag on you? You want to put this price tag on you? And just like the kids, right, we kind of chuckle at the, you're going to put $200 on yourself? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put $200 million. Right. Look how many more zeros. I'm smarter than you. But really, any any number that you put on yourself is cheap. It's, it's, it it jibs you if you don't know how much you're worth. And I'm not saying that those individuals are sinning. Right. But my question is, is this how much you're worth, sir? Is this your price tag? Is the size of your home, the neighborhood you live in? Have those identified for you personally how much you're worth? Because it, it has many implications. Individuals that actually buy into that lie mm-hmm. don't socialize with people that have lesser zeros in their sure. external uh, price tags, which is a unique, one of the un- most unique <clears throat> elements in the Christian church. In the Christian church, uh, hopefully just like modern Christianity ought to be, church is the one hub in which social class no longer matters, right. which should no longer matter, in that at a potluck, you could have someone with a six-figure uh, income sitting next to a person with you know, four-digit income, and they're brothers and sisters, right. and they're treating each other with respect, kindness, and, and regard for one another. That's what you experienced when you got converted. It's true. You know, I bring this up in classes a lot of times where you're sitting in class and, again, multicultural, the, 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 you know, the, uh, the cost of livings all over the place. And I, and I bring it up. It's, you know, this doesn't make sense. This yeah. really doesn't make sense, according to the world. That's right. This classroom doesn't make sense. But in Christ, it absolutely does make Even sense. Even at an airport, you know, you go to an airport, you got the peons, regular average humans, mm-hmm. and then you have those with the elite passes that can go into the lounge, right. you know, where you get free cheese and crackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, it's we're constantly seeking for ways to put... I mean, even when you get on the plane, right, you have the gold members. You get to go in five minutes before everybody else, right. first class, and all those other things. For me, it's 
we we want to create value because innately we feel we don't have any right i believe that that's the driving force behind all of these marketing schemes is that they've discovered something oh for sure yeah. that humans innately have a tendency to we sell ourselves short we don't know how much we're worth we don't know our true value and because of that now we can create and manufacture these elements whatever they may be um, to sell to us value to sell to us a price tag and we sell it to the highest bidder mm -hmm. you know people are willing to pay you know thousands of dollars for a pair of shoes so those shoes are made because people are willing so that when they wear it now i am worth my feet are worth twenty thousand dollars because i have twenty thousand dollars shoes on it which is a big fat lie right you know your your feet as just are worth just as much as any other feet when you look at the feet of christ mm -hmm. that were nailed at the cross and that's what peter is seeking to do with the christian church is even out the playing field as far as the church is concerned in that is not that you're worth less or more is that you're worth beyond the scale of human measurement it's so funny you know also paul tells us you know to not think so highly of ourselves than we should mm -hmm. and so there's this weird dichotomy in christianity where it's you don't want to be prideful yeah but yet jesus died for you so you are worth an incredible amount right mm -hmm. you are worth uh eternity so it is this really weird <laughs> spot that we're in. It's a tension of the gospel. I think Satan, you know, he does the counterfeit stuff. Mm -hmm. Most fairy tales, at least the old ones that I grew up with, they're kind of shifting now. But the standard fairy tale was an unimportant village girl providentially bumps into the prince. <laughs> right. Hmm. And so you have this nobody meeting a big somebody and that big somebody becoming interested in that nobody and somehow ending up together. Mm. Ah, right. We, we res res resonate with that tremendously, not necessarily because we identify with the prince, but because we res resonate and identify with the nobody. Mm. And so the underdog, right, the superheroes, the underdog, the nerd that everybody picks on, he gets bit by a spider and now he can beat up everybody. So he, and he saves people. We, we have this innate response of the worthless, discovering that they're actually worth so much more than they ever imagined because of someone else placing that value on them. So we that's, all kind of feel like a diamond in the rough then. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's the counterfeit gospel. That is not that it is false in that it, is, it doesn't affect us. It certainly does, but it affects us to misdirect us mm -hmm. um, into what really gives us value because in the true gospel, it's not that we are worth less. It's that sin has affected us so much that we destroy ourselves, we deface ourselves, we uh, devalue ourselves, dehumanize ourselves, and yet, in spite of our condition, someone sees infinite value in us sufficiently to uh, provide for us um, a, a price tag with his own life. Mm. That That is the, the amazing attractiveness of the gospel in that God sees not just a diamond in the rough, but a diamond that used to belong to him that a thief stole and that he's willing to give everything to take back again. Right. So that that feeling that a, a diamond in the rough, it, it is, it's true on one hand. Yeah. We are that diamond in the rough, but exactly what you're saying, where, wh how do we find that value? Where do we, you know, put that? You know, and as, as, you're, as we read these verses, the other part of this is that, you know, he's asking us to 
what, what, what I really read here is, if okay, so if we're not putting our value in, in our things, mm-hmm. in things of this world, then really what he's saying is put your value in your relationship with me. Yes, right. And then, and it seems like, boy, this this sounds a lot like legalism, <laughs> doesn't it? He's asking us to be all in, is what he's asking. Well, what does that look like? How does that, you know, right away? I think you know, society. When we read this and we and we say, boy, he wants us all in. That doesn't sound like much fun, right? Well, we could ask, you know, how much have you given Alec and Emma? How much have you and Jamie given them? Even from the moment, it's a great analogy. Yeah. From the moment they were in Jamie's belly, how mm-hmm. much have you guys given them? Nothing. No, uh, <laughs> I want them to be raised correctly. Uh, of course, you give them all you have. So now, as parents, we exp- we we love we would love to have that reciprocated mm-hmm. in that they give us all of themselves. And I, I used this uh, here many years ago at Oakwood when I talked about stewardship, mm-hmm. you know, the tithe about how in Argentina we have this special dessert called pasta flora. And my mom would make it. And it's basically like a sweet dough with a lot of jam, either peach or strawberry, and then this pretty pattern of dough on top of it, and you bake it. And it's a very common dessert. Mm -hmm. And my mom would make it to kind of reminisce us of Argentina when we first came, and we would have it on Sundays. And I remember there was the last piece that um, is from the center and you wanted that piece from the center because it had the most jam. You know, the edges, the, the jam would dehydrate and you got it, got it crusty. But the center one was thick and juicy and moist. <laughs> and my mom had that. I, I had that piece. I took it and um, I was going to gobble it up. And my mom said, can I have a bite? Mm-hmm. I looked at my mom and stuffed the whole thing in my mouth. Oh. What, mom? What did you say? I didn't hear what you said. Uh-oh. And my mom knew that I heard. And she's like, oh, Alfredo, look at what you're oldest. You know, now I'm, now I'm the oldest son of my dad. You know, he, he, I, he, she disowned me in a half a second. Uh-oh. Look at what your son <laughs> has done. He has denied me. And I chewed that and I swallowed it quickly. And that was the most horrible tasting pasta flor I've ever tasted. Not because of the flavor, but because of what I realized you I realized, had done. Yeah. I had not given my mom a piece of a dessert that she, she baked the whole thing. She she was in the summer, you know, rolling the dough from scratch and everything so that I could have a piece of pasta flora. And she just wanted a little piece. She told me, I wasn't going to take the whole thing, Ariel. I was going to take a little bite. I wanted to see if you were willing to share with me. Mm-hmm. And that just pierced me. And so I think that's what the, the, the pattern, the, the, the parallel of that protects us from legalism. Because legalism is this, when God says to ask us to give him our all, we are convinced that my all is bigger than his all. Mm, mm-hmm. Jesus gave all for me, okay, and I have to give all for him. Legalism comes to the delusion that what I give to God is so much more than he's ever given to me. Whereas a gospel-centered, I give my all. We protect ourselves from legalism by continually allowing the conviction that I could never ever give all and give more than what God has given to me. Just like Alec could not give you, you know, if, if Alec saw you stressed about, you know, bills or whatever, and Alec went into his little piggy bank mm-hmm. and said, here, Daddy, I'm giving you all my money. You know, mm-hmm. aren't you glad that I'm giving you all my money? And then he starts telling the whole neighbor, I, I helped my dad Look pay his I bills. Because right. mm-hmm. <laughs> I gave him all my money. He forgot that the money came from you in the first place. And he, he doesn't have no notion of what he's giving you, the $2.75 that he's giving you, 
doesn't compare at all to the amount of money you guys pay for his hospital bills, for his clothing, for his bedroom, for the house. Mm -hmm. He's clueless about that. And to some degree, John, we are clueless as to how much God has done for us through the cross of Christ. And it is our daily opportunity, privilege, to have God revealed to us so that it will do two things. It will make our Christian life a beautiful experience when we surrender all mm -hmm. because we will do it willingly and out of love because we will recognize I could never outgive what God has already given for me. You know, it's true. You know, when 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 you get accused of legalism because you're trying to, uh, I don't even like that word. When you're living this life that you're living now, with you're choosing Christ, to give all. Yeah, right. You're it. it, it the mind the mind changes. It's not again. You're not doing things and going okay. Uh, you owe me, God, because I'm doing this. I think what the outside doesn't understand is, is that there is a heart change, yeah. and you just want to do these things. I'm, I'm always bad at quoting verses. I know the gist of them, but because God loved us first, we love yeah. him back. And it it really does. It changes your heart, and it changes your, your whole outlook on life. It changes your eye um, yeah. because you're... You're not doing thing for you're not doing things for brownie points. You're doing them because it's who you are now. It's just different. you know, again, when you convert and your family members and your friends are going, "This you weren't the that's not who you are." Well, you're right. It's not that's who I. What you remember is who I am, but now it's different. And you know, it, it does uh, you, the way you're describing it. I'm realizing he's right. It, love, loving obedience. Mm -hmm doesn't look that different from legalistic obedience right. from the outside from the outside and that's what we fail at and maybe we see people that are always seeking to do more for the lord always trying to think of what more can i give and searching their hearts lord is there anything that i'm keeping back and they're like there they go again you mm -hmm. know never happy with their christian life right why can't you just cruise and enjoy? what a burden yeah, yeah don't you know we're saved by grace why are you stressing out so much chill a bit mm -hmm. well it's not about that i'm stressing out i'm compelled Paul says the love of Christ compels me. Mm -hmm. So there is this constant desire to do more. How can I give more of myself? I think complacency may be the lazy legalism. Man, you know? right. mm -hmm. Complacency, Laodicean, is legalism that only puts effort in the things that I think I can do really well. And But then the other stuff, ah, oh, grace. Right. Grace. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no cross because there's grace. Well, yeah. there is a dying to self, but that dying to self, that experience becomes a wanting to when you recognize that the cross of Christ paid above and beyond anything you could have ever given to God. And so you take up your cross gladly because if anything, what gets crucified on my cross are the things that separate me from him in any ways. And I think what you're talking about right there is what Jesus is bringing up at the end here, where he says you cannot serve the two masters. Yeah. That complacency that you're talking about you know, I think that's where a lot of Christians find themselves. They kind of find themselves in this place of, um, I do these things really well, but these other things I really need to rely on, on the grace. And, 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 and again, we do. We need to rely yeah. on that grace. But that's kind of where we're at, you know, when you're serving two masters. You're in that complacency spot. Maybe, maybe the delusion is that we think here legalists and here liberals, right, mm -hmm. using those terms in general, um, Maybe they're both the same thing. Mm. I heard one pastor at, um, at the seminary say, what is a legalist is someone with a long list. 
What is a liberal? Someone with a short list. <laughs> <laughs> they both have a list. Yeah. It, the length of it doesn't make it that much of a difference. Is you have a list, and at the end of the day, someone feels that they're they're valued by God because of the length of their list, and the other one feels like they're valued because they have a short list. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly God thinks uh, I value His grace because I have a short list. Both have a list, and when you mentioned about the eye, it just dawned on me. Jesus says, "I am the light of the world." And if my eye is full of light, you know, if my eye is good, it will be full of light. Maybe that's what the the punchline is to this episode. And as we close is, Mm -hmm. are my eyes full of Jesus? Have I seen his grace? Have I seen his um, blood shed for me? Because if I see that, if I see Jesus, I see how much he has given for me. And in seeing his sacrifice for me, I see how much I'm really worth to Him, and that will change my life forever. The author and finisher of our faith.